This week's scripture reading comes from the book of Genesis. As Joseph, a man who endured much wrongdoing in his life, shares the meaning and purpose he found that helped him heal from his ordeals. Let us listen with open hearts to this sacred story of integrating past, present, and future. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come closer to me. And they came closer. He said, I am your brother, Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for your many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me, do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen and you shall be near me, you and your children and your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds and all that you have. I will provide for you there since there are five more years of famine to come so that you and your household and all that you have will not come to poverty. The wisdom of God for the people of God, thanks be to God, amen. Oh God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts be truly acceptable in your sight. Oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This summer, as we begin our summer sermon series, we are invited to contemplate what roots us in the past and how it carries us into the future. I initially thought I might talk about my experience growing up in a bit of a progressive Christian bubble. My church was affirming. We had almost exclusively women clergy. I never felt pressured to assent to any particular doctrine. Our minister preached in a black clergy robe and a stole covered in Red Sox logos. I very much credit my experiences growing up in North Community Church with the clarity with which I felt or perhaps recognized my sense of call to ministry. I'm also aware that not everyone has such a uniformly positive religious experience in their formative years. In fact, many of us have been traumatized by religion or its institutions. How do we root ourselves in the past when what we really want to do is leave it in the past? I know, I know I can't speak authentically from a place of religious trauma. And so I'm going to speak from an experience that every single one of us has endured this past year, the pandemic. 
Now, maybe it's a tired sermon topic by now, but it's still relevant in our lives. And by the end of this sermon, maybe you'll see where I'm coming from, and perhaps you'll agree that it could probably use a few more sermons yet. You see, we can't truly process trauma that we are in the midst of. We need to allow our nervous systems to get back to baseline. Once we are back to baseline, however, no longer flooded with the acute emotions and stimuli of the trauma, we often want to forge ahead and get as much distance from what happened as possible. I think about the pandemic, how we've adapted to the new normal that seems to still be constantly in flux. We've adapted to adapting, perhaps. We've accepted that things are different now, that they may never be exactly the same. And we're ready for it. We know that there are things about the before times that we're going to miss as the world opens up and we realize that those things no longer serve us in this new landscape. We're focused on the future. We're ready to leave the pandemic in the past and get on with the getting on. And yet, and yet, we're so itchy to get into the future and leave the past behind us that we may miss the ways it has touched us and miss opportunities to process and heal. And ironically, frustratingly, often the way to healthily and authentically reach into the future is to root ourselves in our past, to sit down in the present and invite your past to sit next to you and get to know it as you would if it were your long lost sibling, to understand how it shapes you, how it impacts you, how part of it lives inside you and fuels your present and your future, to name and feel the emotions that the past holds for you without shame or judgment, just noticing, naming and honoring. It's so important to be as intimate with our past as we are with our hopes and plans for the future. I recently read an article in Psychology Today talking about resilience and the what comes next of healing from trauma. And this paragraph struck me. It said, the goal in rebuilding and renewing cannot be to throw out everything from the past or try to get back to things the way they used to be. Rather, it must be to reclaim familiar and enduring elements of that past and reframe them in a new configuration of purpose and meaning. This new configuration must somehow incorporate the injury, loss, pain, and changes caused by the trauma and its aftermath. Now this becomes possible and surprisingly life-giving when the primary handles for incorporating the trauma experience into ongoing life are the personal strengths exhibited by the survivor in coping with it. So just to reiterate and tease out a couple of those pieces, the goal is to reclaim familiar and enduring elements of our past, the pandemic per se, and reframe them in a new configuration of purpose and meaning. And that incorporating the pain of the past can be life-giving even when the primary handles for incorporating the trauma experience into ongoing life are the personal strengths exhibited by the survivor in coping with it. So obviously I thought of Joseph in our Bible story. Well, 
not obviously. I actually had to run through a list of Bible characters who experienced trauma and then think about their stories. It's a surprisingly long list, you know, almost as if trauma is a nearly universal aspect of the human condition and our spiritual foreparents wrestled with the same meaning-making that we do. But I digress. Joseph was cruelly sold into slavery by his brothers, who were jealous of his status as the favorite child, irritated by his unquestioning, unquestioning acceptance of his prophetic visions and the precocious and perhaps tactless demeanor in which he conveyed them to his family. Years go by, and through his integrity, leadership, and compassion, Joseph is appointed to successively more powerful posts. First, he becomes household superintendent for the captain of the Pharaoh's guard. And then, after a deceitful accusation lands him in prison, he is shortly appointed warden of the other prisoners. He interprets dreams for the other prisoners as well as for the Pharaoh, and he's eventually appointed vizier, essentially second in command to the Pharaoh himself. Now I'm skipping a bunch of steps in this story, but the gist is that it's a major rags to riches type of storyline. Now years later, Joseph's brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery, travel to Egypt to ask for relief from famine. And the story brings us here. They don't recognize Joseph. And he, with every opportunity and justification to condemn his brothers for their cruelty and deceit, reveals himself and weeps in reunion with them and assures them that their family will be taken care of in Egypt. Now, this could be a sermon about the audience's desire for karma being usurped by anticlimactic reconciliation. But this is Joseph's story right now, not ours. Joseph says to his brothers that what they had meant for evil, God turned into something good, and that the events and trauma of his life carried him to a place where he saved thousands of lives by interpreting dreams, listening to God, and helping Egypt prepare for the devastating famine. Rather than hardening his heart and perpetuating his own mistreatment, as we see in many villain origin movies, Joseph leaned into his gifts of discernment, leadership, and compassion, and used those gifts to build an incredible future for himself that saved countless lives. That he dealt mercifully, even lovingly, with his brothers is less about what they deserved or what a punitive justice system would call for, and more a reflection of Joseph's processing and integration of his past. I doubt anyone would fault him for having his brothers thrown in jail. After all, consequences are consequences. And yet, he had found purpose and meaning in his life and incorporated his experience into ongoing life by relying on his personal strengths of discernment, leadership, and compassion. And it was out of that very discernment, leadership, and compassion that Joseph was able to authentically reconcile with his brothers and reunite his family. Now, as the pandemic restrictions continue to loosen and we get some chronological distance from the days of quarantine, 
we are all going to be hit with a wave of processing. And we can prepare for this. We can embrace it as a crucial element of embracing our future with hope and wholeness. And so we ask ourselves, what are the familiar and enduring elements of the pandemic that we can take and reframe in a new configuration of purpose and meaning? I think about how masks have become much more than a medical protective device and are now symbols of commitment to community care, welcome, and in the case of our rainbow print masks, for example, hospitality and affirmation or how online meetings, once a struggle for many to get the hang of, now even post-quarantine make ministry team participation more possible for working parents, or folks with tough commutes, or folks who don't drive at night or at all. What else can you think of in our communal life or even in our personal lives? What are the strengths that got us through the pandemic that we can use to incorporate our experience into our ongoing life? What strengths helped us survive that we can now cultivate as part of our healing? For those of us who worked from home and therefore lived at work, is it that we learned to set firmer boundaries on our work-life balance and can keep those boundaries moving forward? For those of us who worked in person throughout the whole pandemic, is it cultivating the self-compassion for the courage we didn't choose to show but had to for our economic survival? Is it the strength of feeling your emotions freely that allows you to express every last drop of grief? Is it your daydreaming as a coping mechanism that allows you to innovate new systems and methods as we move into a new community landscape? My siblings in Christ, our call is to root ourselves in our past so that those roots can carry up the nutrients to our branches that reach with hope and vision into the future. 